So we're in the midst of this uh, summer series where we take questions and we talk about the questions and um, be able to speak to the questions um, uh, throughout our summer time, um, our summer series. And so today's question uh, is a really easy softball of what is heaven going to be like? You know, no, nothing <laughs> complex or different opinions or, you know, completely clear and straightforward. And so I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we're going to dive in uh, to our question and be able to reflect out loud a little bit about this together. And so let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for those gathered. Um, Lord, we pray for um, all those who are part of Center Church who are out and about uh, on vacation, time away, recharging for the fall. Um, be with their travels, be with their time as families, um, be with their time as individuals, Lord. Um, and just uh, as we keep um, moving into the fall and a lot of us being back around more, um, just look forward to that gathering together. Uh, be with us in this question, um, this reflection. Just pray that anything that's of you sticks, anything that's not would fall away, uh, that this would be a time that's glorifying and honoring to you, uh, and use uh, these limited resources here to be able to proclaim uh, your truth and who you are. In your name, amen. So um, to start with just a little bit of a story and a little bit of confession about me and my fandoms and things I'm a fan of and appreciate, is it cycles a lot? Like, I go really hard into something, and then I go completely away from it, and I go really hard into another thing. Um, and especially when that comes to music. Like, there's times when all I want to do is listen to musicals, and they'll just be musicals completely nonstop. And then there'll be a time that all I want to do is listen to 90s hardcore music, and it'll be 90s hardcore music nonstop. There's very hard for me to listen to a bunch of different things. And every once in a while, it happens about once a year, completely outside of all the genres I like, I have the overwhelming desire to listen to nothing but Kenny Chesney for about two or three weeks. Just happens, country radio, late 90s, early 2000s country radio, and especially Kenny Chesney. And it's kind of, depending whether you're a fan of this or not, it's either embarrassing or not embarrassing that I've probably seen him in concert like five times. Out of my normal concert things, that's probably not what people would expect since I normally live in mosh pits when I go to concerts. So anyway, I got on this binge again, and it'll probably go away in about a week. And it'll come again in another year. You can probably set your clock by it. So I don't, I've stopped trying to understand it. I just listen and enjoy it. Anyway, I was listening to this playlist that someone made online that was a bunch of his music. And there's a song that comes on. And uh, the chorus in the song says, everyone wants to get to heaven, but no one wants to go right now. And he keeps coming back to it through this song is this idea that everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go right now. And so I just found it funny that this binge of Kenny Chesney music <laughs> intersected with this being able to talk about this question today and be able to dive into what it looks like. And so I want us to have that in the back of our head, not necessarily Kenny Chesney singing in the back of our head, but this idea of everyone wanting to go to heaven, but no one wants to go right now as we dive into this. Um, as we dive into this, I do want to talk a little bit about the limits of our language um, and also the possibilities of our language. Uh, so the reality is that we have a finite language to talk about an infinite God. There's only so many things that we can talk about. There's so many only things that we can understand, that we can articulate, that point us to, that do not encompass everything. And so as we look at Scripture and what Scripture reveals about God, we need to realize that Scripture is about telling God's story. It is about revealing who God is. It is not an itemized list in exact detail. Uh, it's not going to be your perfect textbook in the sense of like, okay, this is, it's going to actually be streets of gold. It's going to be this. They are pointing us to who God is and revealing God's character and God's desire for us and the atmosphere of who God is in language that we can kind of grasp and that points us further 
into the goodness of God and who Jesus is. So there is limits to our language, but within that, there's also possibilities in our language that dive us into who God is and what God's desires are for us. And so we cannot dismiss the language we have, but we can also not hold to it so tight that if something challenges that or is different than that, that it all falls away. So this language that we use needs to keep pressing us into further understanding of who God is, revealing God's nature and character, but also at the same time it's going to have limits because we are limited in the language that we can speak. And so when we think about heaven, I just want you to take just a second here. Uh, it's going to be a little awkward for us because we don't normally do this, I don't think. Just think a little bit about what is it that comes to mind when you think of heaven. What are things, if you want, if you want to randomly shout something out, go for it. I was going to ask you to like break up in small groups, which is great for the size here. But then, I don't know, there's only so much I can do when Kevin is away um, here. So we'll see. But just take a moment here and think about what are things that come to mind when you think about heaven. So anything that came to mind in just uh, that little momentary time or as we go through the sermon, one of the things that as I was preparing for this and thinking about this question and praying through it, realizing that when we think about heaven, are we thinking about ourselves or are we thinking about God? Are we thinking about ourselves or are we thinking about God? When we think what heaven is going to be like, what we get to experience in heaven, what heaven is, what it reveals about Jesus and God, is it primarily motivated about us or is it primarily motivated about God? And so these are the two main dynamics that I want to spend our morning looking at. This idea of are we thinking about ourselves when we answer this question, when we paint this picture, when we think about what it's going uh, to be like, what we're going to experience, are we thinking about God? Are we thinking about God's care for us, God's love for us, God's desire for us, and about worshiping God with the people of God? And so a couple things that I want us to focus on is here some signs that it may be about you. And so I want to talk a little bit about, about you and then about God. And there's this idea that it might be a little bit about us if our answer to the question of heaven's like is this idea of our own personal resort. If it's this massive checklist of everything we enjoy doing or that we want to do, oftentimes you'll hear about that, oh, I bet you he's really enjoying his 18 holes a day <laughs> while he's in heaven. Or, you know, we do this, these things to comfort us, absolutely. Like this next one is a common comfort thing is, you know, when the thunder rolls, it's like, oh, I bet grandpa got that strike or he finally bowled that 300 or something like that. We do these things to comfort us. And so I don't want to dismiss that because I know why we do it. But the temptation there that happens is that we make heaven our own personal resort. It's going to be just what we want. It's going to be what we enjoy. It's going to be the things that we like. It's going to be the things that um, excite us. It's going to be the things that motivate us to go. And oftentimes when we make that list, we realize we actually haven't talked about Jesus. <laughs> we talk about these things that we'd like to do, this weather we would like to experience. And so um, we might be tempted to make this about us if our idea of heaven when we talk about it is our own personal resort. Another thing that's something that might be thinking about us is that only people you like are going to be there. <laughs> this idea that I'm going to create the grouping of people that I only want to hang out with, right? And some of y'all are laughing because you know you've done it. <laughs> you know you've been tempted to do it, at least if you haven't. Okay, I'll throw myself under the bus. I have done this, I, you know, and I have friends who have done this. Uh, and it's interesting that, you know, even just hearing that, that only people you like are there. I had this friend in high school, and after high school, we connected here, some in there. He had walked away from the church and the faith and just was really in this kind of 
uh, just angsty place. And we were at a 24-hour Denny's Wisconsin Dells Diner, because that's what you do when you grow up in Baraboo, Wisconsin, is you drive over to the Dells <laughs> uh, and hang out. And we were talking, and I'm not going to say this individual's name, because living in the Twin Cities has made me realize how many people from Wisconsin come to the Twin Cities and how small of a world it is. I was at work the other day, and someone walked in wearing a Baraboo High School soccer t-shirt. I'm like, what are the chances? And then they're like, yeah, I graduated like five years ago, and then I realized that was like 20 years after I graduated, and it made me feel very stressed um, and angsty. Anyway, so only people that you like there, and this friend told me, I'm like, so what is the barrier? He's like, the biggest barrier right now, if so-and-so is there, I don't even want to believe in that God. He had this just bully who just tormented him all his life, um, who had gotten really involved in the church, and he just couldn't grasp around his mind that that person could be in heaven. <laughs> he just couldn't do it. He's like, I don't want anything to be a part of it. And so we might be thinking about ourselves, and for valid reasons, not even selfish reasons, we might have someone who has just tormented our life, that has traumatized our life, from the lightest things to the heaviest and darkest things. And so I'm not trying to make light of that. So there's this sense that, you know, if only people you like are going to be there, it's probably, you know, maybe thinking about ourselves and our own interests within that. Um, even similar to that, uh, another story that came to mind on this is I was walking through another thing you do in Baraboo, Wisconsin, is you walk through the 24-hour Walmart when you have nothing else to do. You just go to the 24-hour Walmart, walk around, run into people. Even if we went back right now, there's a good chance we would run into someone <laughs> at the same 24-hour Walmart. I ran into this friend who, not even a friend through high school, um, just someone there, and it was just fascinating. Never talked at all. We ran into him after high school, and all of a sudden he wanted to know everything about life and what was going on. There was just a sense that everything fell away, and it was like, oh, you're not, like, there's these assumptions that I made that aren't true. And so if only people you like are there, we might be thinking a little bit about ourselves. Uh, and lastly here, trying to punch your own ticket to heaven. If our idea of heaven and answering this question is, what's heaven going to be like? Well, it's going to be great because I did all these things to get there. Or it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be there because I did all these things. That's the idea of that we're trying to punch our own ticket, that we're collecting this list of good deeds that we're doing to be able to get to heaven. That even still isn't as much about glorifying God as it is about <laughs> ourselves and being able to get ourselves ready for this. Um, speaking of different fandoms that I really dive into probably too heavily every once in a while, we got a free trial of the NBC Peacock app, um, and we were going into it, and I made this revelation that they have all the 80s and 90s WWF and WCW on there. And so I went into this like hardcore binge of like just watching it all, right? And I fell in love all over again with the Hart brothers, Owen Hart and Bret Hart. And Owen Hart, um, when I was in middle school, tragically passed away in an in-ring accident. Uh, and it was pretty devastating. I actually got laughed at by the guidance counselor because I went to grief counseling <laughs> in our school <laughs> the next day because I was so invested in the Hart brothers. They were, they were everything. But anyway, if you know anything about the world of wrestling, of professional nature, um, there's a longtime commentator named Jim Ross. He was with the WWF for a long time, and before that he was with the AEW. And then now he's now with some organization else. And when he was eulogizing Owen Hart, um, and again, we do these things to comfort us. He's like, I have now have my new commitment to live a straight and narrow life only so I can see Owen again. Like, so this idea that if I do the right things, if I'm good enough, then I get into this, still transitions the focus to ourself and not Jesus, because it's about earning <laughs> this, about setting yourself up for that. And so these are reasons out of many that it can't be about us. Our limits are just too limiting. 
Our limits are just too limiting for this idea of what heaven is going to be like to be determinate by us and about what it is that our desires are, what we think is fun. Um, We are going to be unable to create the loving nature and inclusiveness of God if we want to be able to be, if we are only thinking about ourselves when we do this question. We have a limited imagination of what fun is and what joy is and also of who should be able to partake in it. And most importantly, a limited knowledge of how great Jesus truly is in comparison to all these things that are around. And so in light of that, what does it look like to move our focus to God? To be able to shift this focus from us creating these realities as we ask these questions or what our desires or what our hopes are for heaven to moving our focus to God. And a couple, a few things I want to look at with this is this idea of entering into God's joy. To be able to realize that what is heaven going to be like is going to be entering into God's joy. And we see in the Gospels, and actually throughout all of Scripture, that we get more details about the atmosphere than we get about the logistics. We don't, you know, like, there's, there's things that paint a picture and push us forward, but to really be able to focus on this notion of the atmosphere as we talk about it. And in the gospel, Jesus tells a lot of parables. He tells a lot of stories to help people understand, and a handful of those are about the kingdom of heaven uh, and being able to look ahead and see and understand um, what that dynamic is going to be like. And in Matthew 25, when he's talking about the, um, the talents, I'm going through this parable within uh, the kingdom of heaven. There's this um, line that gets quoted a lot from there, and it's, well done, good and faithful servant. Actually, oftentimes when ministers retire from the the denomination or network that they're a part of, um, all the the community and elders will say this over them, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's a really beautiful piece and time to be a part of within that. But I just love how this verse actually ends after this, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And I think when we think about what is heaven going to be like, it's not just the joy of Jesus, it's actually being able to enter in, that we are leaving one thing into another, that there is going to be this transition that happens and takes place, that we enter in to the joy of Jesus. And so that we're not just, okay, now we're here and everything is, we're actually actively entering into the joy. There is a movement from one place to another. You enter in, and in entering, you enter the joy of the Lord. So that's one thing to think about, is this idea of entering into God's joy. As we think about what heaven is like, we think about then, you know, that temptation to think about self and what we would like is recognizing that, hey, this is a place that has actually been prepared for us. That this isn't a place that we're going to go build on our own, that God has prepared for us. And we see that when Jesus talks to his disciples in a time that they are needing comfort, um, that they are needing care that they are stressed out and looking ahead, not sure what is coming, what is happening. Jesus is um, talking about going away, and he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also." That Jesus goes and prepare a place, and depending what um, era, if you've been around the church for a while, and if you were specifically within a subsection of evangelicalism, and are of a certain age, you might have a certain audio adrenaline song going in your head about a big, big house, 
with lots and lots of room <laughs> and a lot of other callback responses within that. Uh, if you don't know, that is completely fine. And sometimes if you don't know, you actually might be in a better place sometimes. Um, but uh, there's this song that was really popular by uh, Christian band Audio Adrenaline that talks about a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms within it. And even that song, it, we kind of do a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where we shout things back to it. So like at camp, when it was a big, big table, it was full of jugs of sweet tea. That's what we yelled back to it uh, for obvious reasons. And then, you know, people like on the yard play football. But even that shows us, even though it's fun and points a picture, it transitions us back to like, what do we want to do? What excites us? And Jesus here is telling his disciples that in my father's house, there are many rooms. And so that idea of only people I want there, it's like, oh, there's a lot of rooms. There's, <laughs> there's, not, a, there's, there's not a limit on those rooms. There's a lot of rooms. And in my father's house, that I prepare a place for you. Um, as we think about not only what we like, what we want, who's there, who's not there, trying to do the work ourselves, when we think about what heaven is like, we see Jesus telling his disciples that, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus comforts his um, disciples with this promise of um, presence, this promise of many rooms, this, co- this promise of that I am preparing the place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. I'm preparing a place for you. And so as we're going through the book of Revelation, we haven't got, gotten to this part yet. We'll get there uh, in a little bit. Um, but uh, this idea then, okay, there's this place, there's this place being prepared for us to be able to challenge these ideas and conceptions that we are thinking about. Um, we see in the book of Revelation uh, this idea of a new heaven and a new earth, and what does this place then going to entail? And Revelation 21, 1 through 4 reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And this is really where I want to focus on. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I want to read that last um, little bit that's highlighted um, here one more time. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And as I was reading about these images of no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain, and that the things have actively former passed away, uh, as I was reading a bunch of things, talking to some people about it, it's not just, a, not just everything is all well, but there is an active mending and healing. This idea of being, it's not that there's just no more tears, but the tears are actively being wiped away. That there is this promise that it's like, okay, that, it's all like whatever, now we're just in this, you know, it's like, no, there is an active mending and healing that happens. And it's active throughout. It's active and ongoing worship of God and the presence of God. Being able to experience the fullness of God. Something that I recognize we can't fully comprehend now. We have limited language to be able to get this around. But this is what this is all pointing us to. 
that'll be more than we can be imagine. And I'm going to be honest, we were actually just joking about this earlier. When, I get these, when we see these pictures in Revelation of everyone being gathered together, being able to worship, to be able to sing around the throne, I used to really think that sounded boring and awful uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> like, um, and everyone who has ever heard me sing is like, that would be awful. Like, I don't want to be there either. So I'm trusting in that made new. That's also vocal cords, hopefully, probably. Um, so we'll see what, what that actually impales. But realizing then, like, oh my gosh, that really sounds boring. That really sounds that. But again, that brings us back to this idea of almost every time we ask this question, it's really about us. <laughs> Our answers of, like, that sounds boring, but that's because I don't have as expansive an understanding of God as God does. And I don't have as expansive an understanding for God's desire for the people of God as God does. And so realizing that when we get challenged by that, when we get disrupted by those things, being able to ask those critical questions um, within, with ourselves, not in a shaming way, not in a guilt way, but just realize, like, why am I responding this way? What is, what is making me do this? And so even recognizing here in this short survey, there's, there's obviously, this could be its own whole sermon series, realizing that it's more about the atmosphere that we get a picture of, that we get pointed to, and this recognition that there is an active mending and healing. There is a wholeness. There is a wellness. There is a completeness that we're going to be invited to. I always love that, you know, um, Paul often talks about all the things that, about God, but yet it's even so much more than he can write about. And so recently uh, I heard a pastor referencing the fact that, like, what a gift that is to heaven then realizing that it's going to be an ongoing process of even knowing more, of being able to actually be like, oh, gee, look, wow, that, wow, when you said no condemnation, you really meant, like, wow, that's even more than I could find. When he said an a, a peace that passes all understanding. If you think, you know, even going back to Jesus' farewell discourse, then after he's crucified and rose again, one of my favorite sections of scripture is when uh, all the disciples are locked away in fear and trembling and like freaking out. And it's not even all of them. Some of them are missing. Um, and they've seen all these things happen. And Jesus breaks into the room that's locked and says, peace be with you. And just realizing that that peace even passes even more understanding that I can understand now. And that this, this, this idea of what heaven will be like will be, be flooded with that more understanding and that more presence and that more worship. So it sounds great, and it sounds peaceful, and it sounds welcoming, especially after these last couple of years of so much death and so much conflict and so much division. But yet, we have our friend Kenny who says... <laughs> Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go now. We get these promises. We get, these, um, we, we, get, we get to be with the one that it's all about, and yet everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to go now. And the reality is, as Scripture tells us, is because we continually store up our treasures here and not in heaven. As Scripture says in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is a hard word. Um, <laughs> we like our things. We like our life. We like a, a variety of things, but they are going to keep passing away. They're going to keep decaying. They're going to keep going, things like that. The Cubs are going to keep breaking my heart by trading their entire team. 
like, I can't, I can't keep doing that, right? Like, that's not sustainable. One of the things that Pastor Kevin and I joked around a, a while ago about is, uh, if y'all remember, I was, some of y'all were around, I was a very fanatic mess during 2016 when the Cubs finally won the World Series. It was after a long, long time, right? They finally did it. And I'm celebrating, I'm exciting, and the next morning the headline was, can they do it again? Like, it just goes away, right? Like, that, that moment of joy, it's just like, oh, now we're on to the next thing. And recognizing where are we putting our hope and trust? Where is our anticipation in? Heaven is a place of new creation, the old gone, death gone, sickness gone, sin gone. We'll be in community with the people of God, worshiping God, entering into the joy of the Lord with one another, and most importantly, with Jesus. But I want to just real quick go back to that one about with one another, this idea of being able to be with the saints together, which is why gathering together as a local body is so important because it is a signpost, it is a picture of that to be able to commit to one another. And I just love this idea that the people of God will be together. You get to be with the people of God. And even that, if I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, that's challenging to me. That's not challenging to Jesus, right? That, why do I not want to be? Why is it so hard to prioritize the body of Christ together. The reality is, is that we all get into these rhythms of church hopping, but there's no heaven hopping, right? There's just heaven with the people of God, and most importantly, in Jesus. It isn't about, oh, I don't know if I have time this morning. You're in heaven. Like, there's, like you get to do that, and so we have an opportunity to be a signpost of that as the body of Christ gathered together, together, through community, through worship, through hearing the word proclaimed. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a thing that challenges a lot of our commitments. Now, I can make fun of the, like, the light things, the material things, the consumer things that we put up our hope and trust in, but there's also a lot of hard things as well. Now, no, no matter, despite how much this yay Jesus sounds, like, yay, we get to be with Jesus, we get to be together, we worship people. Here's the deal, death and sickness suck. They're awful. They're awful to live through. They're awful to experience. It hurts. God has given us his great earth. He's given us family. He's given us friends to steward well that are signposts of his creation or who he is. And it's beautiful. This is not, this idea of heaven should not make us not care about now and here. So it's hard when we go through these things. And so I'm not going to pretend at all that all this makes any of that easy or all of this wipes away all of that. And I've been thinking a lot about that this week. Um, Especially, so a few days ago, uh, last year, actually, last year, a few days ago, a handful of y'all I was in conversation with was a really hard time because uh, my good high school friend Amber had tragically passed away out of nowhere. She was just walking out of an office and just collapsed. They still don't really know what happened. She left behind a little kid and a husband. Um, and it was just, uh, and just this week, I have been struck by how much I've still been, like, that I was just hit by this grief. And I have no pretending that over the last 15, 20 years we were, we were close friends. But in high school, it was, it was formative, and it was real, and it was deep, and um, really took me off guard within it. And so recognizing that death and sickness suck. I don't, I, as I'm thinking, as I'm reading this, as I, as I was preparing this, I'm like, what does this even matter to her kiddo? right now. Like, this idea of, yay, Jesus, like, look, but then, but then, but then, like, realizing, like, okay, we have to recognize, we have to wrestle with this, we have to have these hard words, and one of the things that has stayed with me um, since that funeral, since I went down there, uh, and through seminary, through other things, I've probably come across this verse a million different times in a variety of ways, but there was something that week that it hit me differently, and has stayed hitting me differently ever since, and it's in John when Jesus says that, 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And in this overcoming the world, we see this picture and this pointing then to this new heaven and new earth where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's an active mending and healing. And I know that doesn't always make the hurt now better. That doesn't make it easy to walk through. But these promises and commitments that are made to us, not because of anything that we do, not because of our own preference and desires, have this opportunity as we minister to one another to guide us and to keep our eyes on Jesus through this. And so when you hear this verse, when I say it, and I often talk about this, I talked about this in the mental health sermon, I'll talk to this about a lot of things. There are things that I'll say up here that I know if I'm the one going through the crisis at that moment that I will almost guarantee probably roll my eyes at. (laughs) Because I need to be reminded of in that moment. I need to hear it. And so when you hear this verse, John 16, 33, when you think about what heaven is like, when you realize that There is death and sickness here when you think about, when you say that I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't care if you need to yell it. I don't care if you need to scream it. I don't care if you need to cry it. I don't care if you need to joyously proclaim it. Just declare it. And have people declare it over you. And declare it over other people. And declare it, and declare it, and declare it to remember that these promises are not just this idea of, oh, then. These promises continue to push us into the heart of Jesus. They continue to be with us when we're joyous, when we're angry, when we're mourning, when we're just reading the thing off the paper. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to create, critique about some of the traditions I grew up in, in the more liturgical tradition, where everything is on a piece of paper, and you just read through it. But honestly, in some of my deepest, darkest moments of grief, whether it's with depression, whether it's been loss of friends, whatever it is, to actually be able to have something to just to read and declare, (laughs) even if you don't know where you're at in that moment, is really helpful. It's really great. If you can't declare it, ask someone to declare it over you. We are in a community together, and if we're thinking about heaven and what will be heaven like, if you don't like community, you're going to be in community. <laughs> like, here's the deal. We are. It might not always be as, it can't be as awkward because we're going to be in fullness and in heaven. It won't be as awkward as these 10 minutes like, okay, what, what other small talk do I have to talk about right now, right? But that's even a practice. That is a press. Why do I not value this space? Why do I not value this time? Because this is a signpost of what's coming in all its incomplete imperfections. In all its incomplete imperfections, we see that we are being pointed that Jesus is preparing a place, has prepared a place, that is a place where there's no death, no sickness, no sin. And oftentimes, we, I think we miss that no sin part. We're like, no sickness, no death. And we forget that, like, oh, sin is actually the, what is feeding all of this. And realizing that, oh, I can never be with that person in heaven. It's like, okay, well, all those, all those temptations, all those anger, all that hurt gets wiped away. Actively. And so as you think about this question, maybe it's a challenge for you. What is heaven like? Maybe you want to play your 18 holes a day. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. We have limited language. We see through a glass dimly. But the reality is if we're motivated by our selfish desires versus just, I want to be with Jesus. It's a difference. I don't know. Maybe we all get to be in a mosh pit. Who knows? Like, it could be great. It could be fun. Uh, Maybe there'll be a variety of different things, but most importantly is we'll be with the people of God rooted in Jesus and worshiping Jesus. 
And as we hear, as we're here today, regardless of how we feel about being here today, regardless of how we, if we feel like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today, I don't want to be here, or I am going to get through today, or I don't actually know what the next test result is going to say, I don't know what that means and do that, that I just want to encourage you, and I hope for some of y'all, especially though that you know me well, I do not mean this in a cliche way at all. This is not the church answer, but I pray these words from Jesus can be comfort as you look ahead, that I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, and the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. One of the things that we do here at Center Church is this idea of gospel application. Instead of sending you out with, here's the three things to go do now, or here's the three things to like, whatever, whatever. We want to be able to be rooted uh, in the gospel and be reminded of who Jesus is. And so that first thing that I just read, that Jesus has overcome the world, to take heart in that. Let people take heart in that with you. Uh, it, It can yell it, cry it, scream it, celebrate it. Uh, if you're like me some days, maybe you'll check off all within two hours, um, and, and you know, you'll be able to hit all that. Jesus has overcome the world. And here's the deal. As we think about what heaven's like, as we have this desire to be with the people of God, to be with Jesus, Jesus prepares the place. It's not for you to prepare. It is prepared. Jesus prepares the place. If you, if you don't want so-and-so in there, that's something that we, you get to work out with Jesus. Jesus prepares the place. There's many rooms. God is a loving God. God's desire for all of God's people is to be with him. And in heaven we get to do that and we get to worship the one who we're rooted in.